Welcome back, watch people, and it's more questions than answers, and uh, I've got some great uh, stuff for you today. First of all, I'd like to thank you viewers for sending me in um, some good bits and pieces this week, and uh, I'm sure you're going to find this an interesting video. Um, if you have got any questions for me on the channel, please email them to the email address that I'll pop in um, right now for you on screen. Please try and keep them brief, guys, because the, the briefer they are, the more I can read out, and the easier they are um, from a, uh, a video perspective um, first of all let's go through an interesting email that i received from alex krishikowski i hope i've got your name right alex many apologies if i haven't my friend um, alex writes into me and says paul do you know of a company called roly works in california um, would this work that they are doing enhance or reduce the value of a rolex which has been through the wars a bit or has been seriously over polished uh, they do look very impressive uh, from a non-expert eye. Um, now, I hadn't heard of Roadie Works, if I'm honest with you, Alex. Um, you know, obviously, thanks to you for pointing them out to me. And I had a look at their website. I've had a look at what they do, a very careful look at what they do. Um, I've done a bit of research, and uh, I'm impressed. I have to be honest, I'm impressed, because refinishing to this level um, is not simple. Um, I can tell you now that um, some of the work that they're doing, um, to me, looks absolutely first class and fabulous and certainly if you've got a watch that's been damaged then yes this work that they're carrying out and i would recommend that you go and have a look at their website and make your own minds up i have actually put an email into the guys at rory works so i haven't had a reply yet but hopefully by the time this video goes out i will have spoken to them and maybe we can do something in the future because i like the look of what they're doing um so yes the answer is it would um, enhance the value of your Rolex and certainly make it more saleable um, if your watch had been through the wars and had some damage that needed repairing or if you've got a bracelet that's badly stressed. Um, if I'm going to be uh, finicky and fussy about your question, um, you also say about over-polishing. Now if a watch has been over-polished, you know, sometimes you're chasing your own tail and, and even the best watch refinishers can't always put right something that's been over-polished. For an example, if the crown on the back of your clasp of a Rolex watch has been polished out or polished away. And believe me, guys, I've seen it a thousand times where bad refinishes have got hold of watches and really, you know, just absolutely um, abused them, um, trying to make them look better. And then sometimes, you know, you're chasing a lost cause. Um, but having said that, the guys at Rolly Works look like they're doing um, laser welding as well. And that's an important, uh, that's an important attribute to have uh, a very big attribute to have um, if you're trying to, you know, turn a, a watch that's in really damaged condition um, back into something that looks fabulous. So I'm interested, very interested in what they're doing. I'd recommend that you go and have a look over at the website, make your own minds up. Um, but hopefully we can speak to them in the future because I think the work that they're doing looks exciting. Now, Nealus, one of my patrons, um, one of my much valued patrons, thank you, mate, um, on the subject of watch dealer profits. This is a great one. He says that uh, he offered a unworn Batman Rolex GMT Master that is 116710 to uh, Watchfinder recently, and they offered him 9,200 whilst they're selling them on their website for over 14. And he says, Paul, that's a lot more than 10%. And yes, nearless it is. Um, and I have to say, if I'm honest, um, that any offer of 9,200 pounds for a brand new uh, Batman is a little bit uh, a little bit mean, shall we say. But look, let's put that to one side for the moment. 
um, because I'm gonna take the very unusual step of defending Watchfinder. Um, and I've said to you before, guys, they're not my uh, favorite company, most favorite company in the world, um, mainly from their previous ownership. Um, but um, look, they're, they're big boys, aren't they? They're owned by a massive company now, the Richmond Group. And uh, ultimately, um, what I will say is, is that their overheads will be um, unimaginable to most ordinary people. Now, I don't know what it costs to run an organization like Watchfinder. Um, I did used to uh, have some uh, inside, not inside information. Well, it was inside information, I guess. It came from someone that worked at Watchfinder uh, a few years back. Uh, and at the time, they told me that it was their impression that it was costing about £15,000 a day to run that operation. Now, I, I don't doubt that for one minute. And I think today in 2019, um, with the amount of employees that Watchfinder have, with the amount of premises they have, um, with the amount of advertising they do, and the whole, you know, it's, it's, it's a big company now, isn't it? Um, let's be honest, we can't pretend that it's anything else other than massive. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if their running costs were something like 20 to 25,000 pound a day. I don't know, I'm only guessing. But that's why they have to make big profits. And um, to some degree, to some degree, um, I can forgive them for that because look, they're in business. They're not doing it for fun. They don't get up in the morning and think, oh, I know, let's spend another 25,000 pound and go home losing money. Um, that's the same as any business. Now I'm not, I don't want to defend, I don't want to sit here and defend their offer to you, Nealis, but um, you know, I think that offer was a bit mean to say the least. Having said that, I think the real point, and I enjoyed your question very much. And the, one of the reasons I enjoyed it very much is it, I'm gonna turn it on its head, and this might not be too popular with some people, um, but I'm gonna tell it as it is. This is this is the watch dealer now coming out at me, because I say lots on my channel that is in the public's favor, um, but I am a watch dealer or a former watch dealer, uh, and I've gotta be honest, sometimes there are certain things that wrangle with me a little bit, and it's happened to me a couple of times this week. I've been offered a couple of watches, two or three watches this week by different individuals, you know, guys, I've told you before, I'm not dealing, but I still get offered watches. People still say, would you like to buy this? Would you like to buy that? Sometimes if it's good and I want it for myself, I will buy it, or I might pass it on to a friend in the trade, but I don't retail anymore. Um, but I've had two or three nice watches offered to me this week by two or three different people. Um, I would call them flippers. So basically, um, they're, they're um, first eye buyers, if you like. In other words, they're buying direct from the authorized dealer, um, they're getting at list price. Now, one of these watches, it's a Daytona. One of them's a Daytona. So the list is like nine and a half thousand quid. The guy wants me to double his money. He wants 9,000 pound profit on the watch for going from A to B. Um, now his overheads are zero um, and they don't think anything um, of, of asking me double list price or asking a dealer, any other dealer, um, instantly looking to double their money. They don't consider that they've got no overheads and the dealer that they're looking to sell to at double list price could have overheads of four, five, six thousand pounds a week, easily, easily. Even the smallest of watch dealers will have overheads that could come to somewhere close to that sort of figure if they're doing business properly. Um, so I think the moral of this question, of, of this story is, is that, look guys, watch dealers, whoever they are, whether they're small, large, 
medium, whatever they are. They have to make a living wage. They have to make a profit. They've got staff to pay. They've got overheads to pay. Everything from electric to, to VAT. And most of all, they're paying their taxes, which, you, you know, look, guys, you flippers out there, let's be honest. Let's call it as it is. When was the last time one of you guys that flipped a, a Rolex for double this price um, declared that to inland revenue? You know, so I rest my case. Um, and, you know, us poor souls, I say poor souls, I know I won't get a lot of sympathy, but, you know, we do things right and get caned for it every time. So thanks for that question, Nealis. It's given me a chance to sort of like answer your question in, in three or four different ways and get a few bits and pieces off my chest as well. Now, Mark LeBlanc from Canada says, uh, Paul, I love Rolex and have owned a Rolex Submariner uh, reference 5513 from 1984, a Rolex Oyster Perpetual Date reference 1501 from 1990, and he paid $1,200 and $1,800 respectively for these two watches, you lucky boy. Um, I know that Rolex is a master manipulator in terms of driving up prices and demand. However, I can't psychologically bring myself in these day and age to buy a Rolex as I feel highly manipulated. What are your thoughts? Well, Mark, we're all manipulated every time we buy something from a shop, aren't we, really? I mean, when we go and buy a gallon of fuel, I guess you could say we're being manipulated. Um, at least I think when you buy a nice watch, whatever brand it is, it doesn't have to be a Rolex, does it? Um, I think when you go and buy a nice item, any item, you're getting something for your money at least. And I think the big thing is with your watches, and I think I think the answer to your question is in, in your own... Uh, question you know you bought a 5513 for 1200 dollars go and check out what that watch will cost you to replace today and uh you know even the 1501 1800 dollars you won't buy that for that sort of money in this day and age if we look at prices and if we look at you know are we being manipulated by rolex with the, the prices not really because it's not really to be fair i mean rolex are still only selling at list price, but the list prices, I think, are very reasonable for what they're selling. I think they're, they're very reasonable. Um, when you look at the grain market prices and the flipper prices that we just spoke about a minute ago, that's something else. I mean, here's a thing. Here's a thing. This is really going to put the cat amongst the pigeons. When you look at a brand new, let's, let's go for the brand new Daytona again, because this is probably the best example, right? £9,550 list price in the UK. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not stating this is a fact, but as far as I'm concerned, the dealer, the authorised dealer, is making 38.5% on that figure. So take 38.5% off of 9,550, and you could say that that's kind of the true trade price of that watch, 38.5% off 9,550 that the flipper will go down the road for and ask 18,000 pounds for or 18 or 19,000 pounds. It's not very nice to think about that, is it really? Because um, it's up to uh, each individual to decide what a watch is worth to them. I mean, of course, you can't, you can't take off that 38.5% and say that's the true value of a Rolex Daytona because look, nobody sells anything for free. 
Um, there's always a penalty, isn't there? Um, but um, it does make you wonder how much the watch is really, really worth. Um, and it's not, in my opinion, the sort of money that some of these watches are changing hands from for, sorry I should say. But going back to your question, Mark, as always, I always preach in all of my videos to try and buy the right watch in the right condition at the right time and at the right price. Um, and if you follow my advice that I give in my videos and on my channel, I don't think you'll go too far wrong um, without singing my own praises. If you go back and look at my previous videos from years gone by when I've um, given people advice on what models to go and buy, um, I think you find they've pretty much all done very well indeed. Now, Niccolo Alini from Los Angeles asked me a question that I'm really going to enjoy answering, and it's quite a, an in-depth one. He says, uh, I wanted to ask you about the Rolex Seedweller references, 16600, 1166000, M12600. I'm looking into purchasing one of these references in the near future, but can't quite wrap my head around which reference I should be buying. Currently, he's favoring the double one, double six, double O, um, but wanted to get my thoughts on which one of the three will be more collectible in the future. Great question, Niccolo. Um, I can honestly say that I am not a lover of the 50th anniversary with the red text. Um, I thought that watch was possibly going to be discontinued. Um, it hasn't been. I don't think it's lived up to the hype is my personal opinion on that watch. Um, the original Sea Dweller without the Cyclops, um, the single one series, is a classic, I think, uh, in the right condition, if you can get a full set. If I was looking to buy the single one series Sea Dweller, I would be looking for a complete full set. I'd be looking for something that was extra special. I'd be looking for the complete full set with as little wear on it as possible. Um, original box, original papers, tags, everything, tall, the lot. Um, and I think that watch is highly, highly collectible and will do really, really well in the future. The Seedweller 4000, however, is going to be my pick of the three. And the reason it's going to be the pick of the three is because of the longevity or the lack of longevity. I mean, it was only made for about three years, wasn't it, I think? Um, and ultimately, the Sea Dweller 4000 um, is discontinued, of course. Um, the only question I do have for you, Niccolo, is how long is long? I mean, we could be talking long, long, short to medium, long to very long. If we're talking long to very long, and I call that 15 to 20 years plus, um, in my opinion, there's no doubt the Sea Dweller 4000. And the good news with the Sea Dweller 4000 is if you hunt around enough, and if you're still, and if you're willing to pay the price, you'll still find one that's unworn. Um, and I think the real uh, firework, if you like, with the Sea Dweller 4000, the real firework is the one that's unworn, factory sealed with all the box, all the papers, because look, listen, they're running out by the day, every day, somewhere in the world, someone is peeling the stickers off one of the last few remaining Sea Dweller 4000s. Um, and if you've got one of those watches with its seals on, um, I think it will be sacrilege to remove those seals because potentially you're sitting on a bit of a gold mine there, but we are talking probably for your kids, depending on how old you are. I mean, if you're 30, then happy days, you know, but if you're like me, if you're pushing 60, um, you know, 
I don't tend to look 25 years down the line. So it's really one maybe for the kids or even the grandkids, but I would personally go for the Seedweller 4000. Um, it wouldn't be the 50th anniversary, um, not at the moment at least, unless they discontinue it and then we'll see what happens. For some reason, I just don't find that 50th anniversary an attractive watch. It just doesn't do anything for me with that Cyclops, with the red text. It's a little bit busy for me. Um, I prefer the older versions and I particularly prefer the Sea Dweller 4000. So that would be my advice for what it's worth. Now guys, you've got me on names today, haven't you? But uh, I hope I get this right. Again, apologies if I don't. So Finil Parak asked me quite a difficult question to answer, but one I'm gonna thoroughly enjoy attempting to answer for you. Um, he says he owns a white gold Daytona on an Oyster Flex and a white gold Daytona with a blue dial. Um, if he had to keep only one of them, which one would I keep and why? Now he's talking about the 116509 on the bracelet with the blue dial. That's 28,850 pounds UK list. And the 116519 LN, um, which is 22,150 pounds uh, in the UK list price. Now both of those watches um, are making over list. Um, the key for me is the dial, um, which is gonna prove to be the hotter of the two dials in years to come. They're both hot watches. Particularly, I would say that the, the Oyster Flex at the moment is probably the hotter, slightly the hotter of the two watches. But that blue dial does it for me. I think that blue dial in that Daytona is absolutely stunning. Um, I actually prefer the look of that blue dial in the white metal than the green dial in the gold metal. And it's the green dial gold metal model that is making all the money. Um, personally, I prefer the blue doll in the white gold Daytona. And I think long-term, if I had to sell one of them, um, it will be hard because I've had an Oyster Flex Daytona and they're beautiful to wear. I mean, to say they're comfortable is an understatement. They're a lovely thing to wear. But I'd sell the Oyster Flex. I would keep, I would keep the, uh, the bracelet version on that blue doll because I think, as always, with Rolex, the key and the secret is in the rarity and the attractiveness of the dial, and I think that dial in the future is gonna be a winner. Now, Joseph Conlon asked, if I wanted to start up a second-hand watch dealership, somewhere around the M25, which is the motorway that goes around London, um, in a relatively affluent area, mainly Rolex, and similar to my old shop, how much do you think I would need to start in terms of investment? Um, it's a good question, Joseph. I, don't, I think the biggest issue that anyone opening up a shop these day and age is maybe even not the watches because you haven't got to worry too much about the watches. The watches will sell themselves. Um, but just last week, I visited a premises about 250 miles away from me. It was a couple of days um, trip for me there and back and doing the, what I had to do. I went to see another watch dealer who just set up and um, he wanted me to have a look at his business and see where I thought he was going right, where I thought he was going wrong, if he had any security issues, etc. And I spent the day with him, great fella, and when the time's right, I wanna give him some publicity, but he needs to make a few changes before um, I do that. Now, um, I'm not digressing here, Joseph, but I think your problem is not your investment in the watches so much. If you're gonna open a shop, your investment is in your security, because otherwise you could lose everything you put in there. Um, so basically, I would say that you would need a minimum of £10,000 to dedicate 
a loan to security before you even start investing in watties. Um, so putting that to one side for the moment, um, your security uh, and your insurance, you're looking at 10 to 15,000 pound um, or 15 to 20,000 pound, um, depending on how uh, high your security levels are with your insurance. Um, as far as stocks concerned, I think you need a minimum, an absolute minimum, if you're dealing in Rolex and you've got a shop and you've got a window to fill, you're looking at about a quarter of a million pound, I would say, Joseph. I mean, anything less than that, and your window's gonna be pretty sparse, to be fair. Um, and it sounds a lot of money, uh, and it is a lot of money, but you would be surprised at how quickly um, you can that can be eaten up, particularly if you're uh, buying modern sports watches. It doesn't take long at all to get up to that sort of figure. Um, so, Joseph, I wish you luck, and uh, if you do decide to set up in business, please let me know. I'll be delighted to come along and give you a hand. Um, but I think, as I said, the first thing you need to, to budget for is security and insurance, otherwise you could end up with nothing at all. Now, Angus McIntosh writes in and says, Paul, I know this isn't exactly news, but this has to be one of the most extreme examples that I've seen of empty Rolex windows. And he was recently um, in Amsterdam at the airport there in the main Rolex dealership. He said, all other brands were well stocked and staffed with many buyers coming through with time on their hands and money in their pockets. By contrast, the Rolex section was sad and lamentable. Just a few ladies oyster perpetuals and a couple of ladies, they just, and Angus uh, kindly sent me a couple of pictures that I've popped up on screen for you there. Not looking great for them there, is it? God blimey, I mean, what are they gonna do? Um, you know, we hear that watches are coming through, but um, who, who'd be an, an authorized dealer in this day and age? You know, I mean, who really wants to get that call from Rolex at the end of the month and, you know, for them to say, well, look, we've got nothing hot for you, but, you know, we do want you to buy another 20 um, date just with diamond bezels. You know, I mean, God, it wouldn't be for me. If I was offered a, an authorised Rolex dealership tomorrow, personally, the way things are right now, I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want it. No, not a chance. Um, because I, I'm aware of what they have to spend. I'm aware of some of the criteria they'll have to meet to keep their authorised dealership status. And they must be under immense pressure. They must be under immense pressure, authorised dealers. And again, you know, it's not for me particularly to have, um, to offer authorised dealerships too much sympathy. Um, but, you know, as I say, you know, fair's fair. Um, business is business. And at the end of the day, they have businesses to run, families to look after, and livelihoods to earn. Um, and being an authorised Rolex dealer at the moment can't be a lot of fun. Okay guys, so that's it for another edition of your questions and my answers. Look forward to hearing from you soon. Just to remind you how I select my questions, they are all done completely randomly. I literally just go into my email inbox and I just randomly scroll down and click on an email. It could be from anyone on any subject. I'm not avoiding anything. Um, what I would say to you is the only ones that don't really stand any chance of getting answered as I've said before, as if they are too long. And I am getting a few, I'm afraid, that fall into that criteria. Guys, it's got to work for video. If it doesn't work for video, it's not gonna get answered. So thanks for watching again. Appreciate your support, and I'll speak to you again soon.